Method to the Madness is next. You're listening to Method to the Madness, a weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating Bay Area innovators. Today, UC Berkeley student Anna Sterla will interview comedian Irene Tu about her recent work. recently and I used to have uh, really long hair and people would come up to me a lot and ask me if I was Korean which I am not I'm Chinese and right after I got this haircut my mom was like oh you look Japanese (laughs) really I was going for straight (laughs) and if you didn't get that last joke or how I'm dressed. I'm very stylish. And by stylish, I mean gay. Welcome to the show, Irene Too. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, so you live in the East Bay now, but you're originally from Chicago, right? Right. Or nearish, right? In suburbs. So it depends on who you ask. For sure. Uh, why did you move out here? Um, I actually went to school in Berkeley, uh, here, at UC Berkeley. Uh, so that's pretty much the only reason I moved. And when I was a girl, I was like, I wanted to, I want to move to California. So this was like my best way to leave Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And what'd you study? I majored in Asian American Studies. So in this building then? Yes, five floors up. In Barrows? Yes, in Barrows Hall. Fantastic. So it's it's a little bit of a homecoming ring, a little. Yeah, bit. I didn't know Calix was in the basement. I know. We're always. I, I think we like to like pride ourselves on like, oh, we have a world class operation, but just step into our basement, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little creepy. Yeah, it's all right. It's cozy, is how I like to think about it. Yeah. Windowless and cozy. What differentiates the Bay Area comedy scene from other cities? I would say, well, I started in Chicago, and then I moved here. So I did a little bit of comedy there, and then I moved here. And uh, in every comedy scene, there's, like, some, you know, really great comics who've been doing it a long time, and then there's, like, newer comedians. I think here um, people move faster um, since L.A. is so close. Um, Like, when they get good or they feel like they're good at comedy, they'll move to L.A. right away. And in other scenes, like in Chicago, people stay longer just because it's so much of a move to go to, like, New York or to L.A. Um, So in that regards, I think we have a lot of newer comics with the turnovers higher here um, and definitely more diversity here. Uh, A lot of the comics in Chicago are uh, white, probably 95%. Uh, and here, you, you know, I'm here, uh, and uh, a bunch of other comics that are, you know, different, I guess, quote unquote. So to speak. Not what you imagine your typical comedian to be, a little less Louis. <laughs> I know that, like, Dave Chappelle once said, you know, he did a special here, and he kind of said that the audience was savvier. Do you notice, like, a difference in the audience? I don't know if we want to self-aggrandize a little bit, but... Um, I love doing shows here. I'll do... I do a bunch of shows in Oakland and in San Francisco, and I feel like um, I can say whatever I want, and they'll be on board for the most part, although sometimes people argue that um, some of the audiences are, like, too PC, 
Um, like if you talk about certain topics and you don't do it in a extremely funny way, it might they might be turned off by it. Um, but for me, I feel like I get to explore whatever topics I want and I'll know if it's good or not based on the reaction. Um, Can you give me an example? I've been trying to do jokes about like anorexia, you know, which is kind of not often talked about. And I feel like if it's funny enough, they'll laugh. And if it's not funny enough, they're just like, nope, I don't want to talk about it. You know, we're like Hitler. <laughs> it's always it always comes down to Hitler. It's, oh, it's always t- it's like a is that a good Hitler joke or is that a bad Hitler joke? <laughs> Qualities of Hitler. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, that's good to know. I'll keep that in the in the, uh, in the noggin. What made you realize that you wanted to be a comedian? Um, I tell this in every interview because it's true, and I'm hoping it'll get back to her. I love Ellen DeGeneres. Um, so, so when I was in high school, I was like, I want to be just like her. And I looked up on Wikipedia what she did to become famous uh, like and beloved by everyone in America. And it turns out she started by doing stand-up. So then I was like, oh, I'll do stand-up. And, I, you know, I liked being able to say whatever I wanted. Like, um, I was like an only child, and I don't like to talk to people a lot. I'm pretty introverted. So stand-up is my way of, like, expressing my opinion without actually have a, having a two-way conversation with a stranger. Um so, yeah, I just started doing stand-up, and, I, you know, I like to be goofy, and that was, like, my best outlet of expressing myself. So I just started doing more and more stand-up, and at some point, like, I never really wanted to be a comedian. That wasn't, like, my dream, but at some point, I was just like, oh, well, I guess I'm doing it so much, and I like it. I guess I'll just do comedy. Um, when I was prepping for this interview, Ellen DeGeneres came up enough in the stuff that I was looking up that it's my uh, my next question. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I will literally name drop her every single time until I meet her. And then even then, I'll probably still do it. So if you ever move to L.A., that's just that's the first thing. I will probably um, just be outside her house every day. Don't tell her that. OK, yeah. just keep that. I don't know where surprise. she lives, but I'm sure it's not that hard to find. <laughs> and uh, any special quality that you like about like her comedy? She is so um likable just like every single person i've ever met likes ellen degeneres and if you don't i think you're not a human being um yeah it's just like uh like when she came out um everyone kind of was like oh she's gay and like they weren't on board for that but like now she's made such a resurgence that everyone loves her and i just think that's amazing that was always surprising because i grew up with like fourth iteration ellen degeneres and then if i go which uh, one was that is that the talk show ellen talk show ellen okay right and so i was just like i was always like it took me a while to figure out that she had been famous for like 20 years at that oh yeah 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 she was like stand-up ellen and then sitcom ellen and then the ellen that disappeared for like three or four years because people were like oh gay people and then she's like talk show famous ellen Yeah, yeah yeah do you have like a fave joke of mine or of someone else's? Uh, let's start with yours. Um, it kind of depends. I think uh, I get sick of my jokes after a while. So whatever is my newest joke is usually my favorite. Um, I'm not going to tell it on the radio because I don't think that's going to land great. Uh, it'll just be me talking and then like silence. Um, we can add laugh tracks. I don't know if you have But I feel like them. it'll feel bad for me. Okay, you know, yeah. for sure. I won't force you. But it, usually my favorite joke is the newest joke that I've written that I feel, um, you know, most excited about. Because if you tell a joke for like a year or two, which, you know, comedians do, they're not off the top of their head all the time. 
um, you just kind of get sick of it. You know, you have to keep pretending it's the first time you've ever told it. But it's like definitely like the 500th time you've told it. So, yeah, definitely new jokes are my favorite. And um, for another comedian, I also love Tig Notaro. And uh, I love her uh, no moleste joke. Uh, I did some shows in Mexico. And like everywhere I go, as soon as I check into my hotel room, I immediately hang the do not disturb sign on the door. Or for the Spanish speaking, no moleste. That was kind of a creepy feeling, hanging that on my door before bed. Nope. No moleste. Not tonight. Try a couple doors down. And actually, after I did that joke one night in Omaha, this guy came up to me and he's like, just so you know, I'm a Spanish interpreter and moleste means to annoy or bother. Yeah. I know. No moleste. How would you say that like your queerness has like influenced your comedy, if at all? Um, well, I definitely, when I first started doing comedy, I was not out and I was just trying to do, um, comedy not based on myself at all. So I'd talk about other things. And this was like when I was like 16, 17, I used like, yeah, I was like, let me start doing stand up. I did not know what I was doing. I don't even remember what my first joke was. It was probably about Ellen. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> just a straight Ellen set. Yeah, yeah, just, just, like... just talking about how much I love Ellen. Yeah, I don't know. It probably was true. Um, and then uh, I was in college and I was like, was trying to do more stand up. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll come out now. And I think I came out in my stand up before I really came out in real life, which is kind of how I feel about stand up. A lot of times I share more talking on stage than uh, like interpersonally like if we met on the street and we talked I would probably tell you like very little about me but if you see me on stage for like 10 minutes you'll learn like way too much about me why do you think Um, that is because I when you when you're on stage you don't really know everyone in the audience it's kind of just like an amorphous blob of like oh these are other people and I'll never meet them again though you know you might but in, in your brain you're like these are just random people. But if I like see you, I feel like I kind of know you and you're judging me when we're talking. So then I'm like, I don't know. But if I'm just talking to a random blob of people, I'm like, I don't care what they think. So uh, then I just feel like I can share whatever. And then I go home and I'll never see them again. I like the idea of just calling like a group of people a blob. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to do that from now on. Just like crowds. Good. Those are blobs. <laughs> yeah, just, a, just a big old friendly blob. It's like an amoeba. I know. Ah, <laughs> beginning of life. And... If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Method to the Madness, a weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley celebrating Bay Area innovators. Today, Anna Sturla is speaking with comedian Irene Tu. Uh, and so, if I may ask, how has being a person of color influenced your comedy and kind of follow up your 
desire to create like man haters and hysteria? Um, yeah, it's definitely harder, of course, uh, as a person of color to do comedy. And, you know, people are so racist. Uh, you know, people are like, oh, you know, it's not that right. No, it's still comedy. So racist. Uh, a lot of people of color will do race jokes that sort of make fun of themselves in like a traditional stereotypical way, which I kind of hate. And I always try and do comedy as a person of color where I talk about, you know, the issues, uh, but, you know, try and put a spin on it or be like, you know, this is how I feel about it. Instead of just being like, you know, Asian people can't drive or like something dumb like that. I don't even know where that stereotype came from. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know like Hari Kondabalu has like a rule that he doesn't, he'll like make jokes about his mom, but like will never use an accent. Yeah. I don't think I can. Well, also number one, I'm bad at accents and also I will not do an accent. I can't even pretend to be like a dude, you know, like I can't do any kind of accent whatsoever or change my voice. So I'm not going to totally butcher it. Yeah, so it's yeah. nice to have a layer of excuses of just like, Bleh. yeah, yeah. If I did my mom, like her voice would just be my also my same voice, but I'll just like turn the other direction, I guess. I don't know. I was also, I was wondering, how has that changed at all? That kind of personal, being personal on the stage as you've kind of made a name for yourself. In oh this, yeah, that was the question. Talking in the more scene. about me. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I was just like, what are we talking about? Blobs? Um, yeah, so I've started talking more about myself, um, and, like, my point of view on life and things that I go through, and, uh, you know, as I've done more and more comedy, sometimes people will come to the show to see me specifically, which always, like, baffles me. I'm like, oh, I would never get to that, I never thought I'd get to that point where people would come and actually want to hear what I had to say and not just comedy in general. So weird. Um. Super weird. Yeah, yeah, super weird, especially when, like, I work in... Uh, Berkeley at Eastwind and sometimes people will stop by and they'll be like hey you're that comedian right and I was like yeah <laughs> like I'm at I'm at work and I didn't think that someone would recognize me while I'm sitting at the cash register and they're like oh, I'm gonna come to your show and I was like okay so strange you're famous in the Bay Area for no okay okay good I was four like, four four uh, Hysteria and Man Haters, the shows that you co-host. Yes. Yes. Um, and can you walk me through why you chose those particular names? Um, sure. So uh, Hysteria is a women in queer comedy open mic that I run every Tuesday at Martoonies from 6 to 8-ish. Uh, and we chose Hysteria. It was me and Jessica Seely, who's a great comedian. She moved to L.A. Um, but I still run the mic now with Dom Jellin, who's a friend of mine and really great comic. Um, and we chose the name Hysteria because, uh, you know, people historically have called women like hysterical. It's like, oh, like, you know, she's like crazy, you know. So we took that name to kind of be like, yeah, we're just going to, you know, reclaim it. So that's why we call it Hysteria. I knew it had something to do with like a that down there situation. <laughs> the down there. Just... And I was like, that just sounds like a great name for an open mic. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then man haters, man of haters. course, uh, are uh, you know it's very a direct name for the show. So me and uh, Ash Fisher run that show in Oakland every fourth Thursday at the White Horse, and we named that because uh, we're both queer. So and you know sometimes like um, you know lesbians or 
you know, queer people will be called like man haters um, because they're like, oh, you guys hate men, right? It's like, no, we don't hate men, but we hate like patriarchy and all that. Uh, and we decided you're like, yeah, you know what? Let's just call the show man haters and just be like all out because like people will know right away the show is like going to be very queer and, uh, you know, anti, uh, not men, but, you know, like not patriarchal like we wanted our comedy show to be like hey let's showcase um w- again women and queer comedians you know people that are not generally seen as quote-unquote comedians um and people who get you know offered less stage time or opportunities so we're just gonna call it man haters uh and it got very popular i don't know i thought we were gonna get vilified for the name but people kind of love it yeah we made little buttons that say man hater and you know they'll wear them outside in the street. So just it just the name just put it out there first off. Yeah, yeah. We're just like, it's going to be called Man Haters. And I think we call it like Man Haters Women Queers Comedy on the Facebook thing. So they're not just like, oh, what's Man Haters? Like a secret organization. It's like, no, no, no. We just, it's just a comedy show. It's fine. Right. Why did you make a space for queer and feminist, like women-oriented comedy? Um, if you go to a lot of open mics or shows, you'll notice they're sometimes very aggressive and a lot of uh, terrible jokes that, you know, kind of hate on women or it's like, oh, my wife sucks or like, uh, like terrible rape jokes, you know. And it's not really welcoming and safe for especially newer comedians, like newer female comics to, you know, trying to find their voice because everyone's just trying to figure out what they want to talk about in comedy and if you don't feel comfortable when you start out you don't really want to do it anymore so we were like hey let's do a show where you know you feel like you can actually participate in doing comedy and then after a while you can do the other shows that have like seven dudes and like one token female but uh you know it's it's definitely like uh it's kind of like training wheels but you know at this point our show is like super great that I think it's like arguably the best show in the Bay. So I'm like, I feel good about it, you know? How do you just make it that space where you're performing maybe for the first time welcoming? I think it has a lot to do with um, like the hosts. So like when we host the show, we, you know, emphasize like it's a women and queer comedy show or like, you know, these are all the comics. Like we just try and make it seem like we, you know, it's more like I put myself out there and like hey I'm like a woman in queer comic and then I'll tell like my jokes and you know we're very open uh and I think our openness allows the comics uh, allows the audience to be like hey you know we're on board for this journey and they feel comfortable I've never felt like it was super hard to make the space welcoming um because sometimes if you go to an open mic like the hosts themselves are kind of real aggressive and negative and like that that vibe is hard to overcome because you know the host sets like the tone for the show so i think if you know your hosts are like hey you know these are it's not really like rules but these are kind of like you know these are kind of the ground rules like hey you know be cool uh these are all women comics it's not quote-unquote a safe space meaning we don't talk about you know certain topics but it's like we are all female comics or queer comics talking about these things and you know if you want to laugh laugh um if it's not funny well sometimes some couple things we say will not be funny but this is what we got yeah. And what impact do you think this has had on the Bay Area comedy scene? Um, I think uh, we've had definitely more women in queer comics starting comedy. I've seen a lot of newer comics that I've never um, seen before. Uh, and our show has gotten very popular that, you know, even the dude comics are like, hey, that's a really good show. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, so it's definitely just like, 
it feels like uh, we ha- we've marked like our place in the comedy scene. It's not just an outlier. It's like, hey, the- we're an integral part of the scene. And also, we get a lot of audience members that wouldn't go to like quote unquote regular comedy shows. You know, a lot of um, you know people from the queer community come to our show exclusively, or people will be like, hey, this is our first comedy show ever because we're afraid to go to like a comedy club in case we're like picked on or people like say homophobic stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Oh, that's nice to hear. And are what are some of the kind of up and coming comedians that you've seen sort of pass through? Uh, man haters or hysteria um, um that like are my favorite comics basically local comics okay i love uh corinda dobbins jessica seeley who i did hysteria with um i like shay bell uh dom jellen you know ash fisher my other co-host uh and dom's one of my co-hosts you know this is, seems like nepotism now but like they're like you know when you're working with people that are also funny you're like well they're my friends and they're funny um, Your friends for a reason. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, we get each other. Right, right, right. Uh, who else is super funny? I don't know. That's just what came to mind immediately. Now I hope that someone doesn't listen to this. Like, hey, why don't you say my name? I just forgot. We can just add that on. If you think of anyone afterwards, just record I'll it. I'll have to have... just record like 50 other names. Yeah, we'll just have five <laughs> minutes at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole entire, like, scrub this interview. It's just right. 50 names of comedians. Yeah. Which, you know, is great. You know when they do those lists on uh, the internet? It's like, oh, like 50 the Buzz comics feed. you yeah. should know or like blah 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 every oh like every comedian kind of hates those lists because they li- like leave off great comics but they're you know good publicity yeah you can't find so them. now you know if i did do two hours of just naming names i would feel okay about it <laughs> you'd be helping everybody yeah out. i'm helping everyone out right right uh you were recently honored by kqed as a woman to watch yeah i'm just gonna stare at you for a little bit uh, yeah, creepy. Yeah. Uh, what's it like to see your face on a bus? <laughs> oh, yes. That was insane. Yeah, they put up some ads on the Muni buses and some of the Muni trains and in the BART stations. I don't know if I had one in a BART station. I did check all the stations. That's and then the they took them down. I know. It's just because I, I checked most of them, except for I think if mine was on a BART station, it would have been at Montgomery. And I never take that station. And I was like, I'll get to it. And then by the time I got to it, they were taken down and replaced with, like, ads for some tech thing, and I was very upset by that. Oh, that's a nice um, problem to have. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just um, but, yeah, when I actually saw my face, because people were telling me, I knew they put the ads up, but I didn't see it yet. And then people were like, oh, my God, I saw your face on a bus. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I didn't see it. And then I was just in, like, downtown uh, in the financial district. I was walking around, and I was like, oh, hey, that's me. On a bus. And then I ran to the bus because I wanted to take a photo with it. And it stopped, like, briefly at a red light. And I was, like, trying to take a selfie with it. And then it just, like, drove away. And I did get the selfie. That was fun. That's nice. Yeah. That's very nice. That's crazy. Um, What advice would you give to a young female and or queer comic kind of coming up through this area? Um, Just keep doing it. You might not be funny at first, but, you know, you'll find your voice eventually. So it's definitely more of a perseverance game i think i think the funniest comedians honestly are not even comedians uh because if you do comedy you have to actually you know do all that work doing comedy and some people are so funny they just don't want to go to an open mic or show every night um so basically just keep doing it keep writing uh don't get discouraged and uh you come to my open mic we're very fun and friendly if you want to you know try your first open mic it's something that people will sort of pay attention to and you know laugh at uh, yeah, and then, you know, just make friends with everyone. Um, what are some shows you have coming up? 
Um, I just did Man Haters yesterday, but our next show is going to be the third Thursday of November since Thanksgiving's the fourth Thursday, and I don't think anyone's going to come on Thanksgiving. So it'll be November 17th, and that one's real fun. Let's see, what else do I have? I also have a show in San Francisco every month called The Mission Position that's at the Alamo Draft House, uh, which is that awesome movie theater in the Mission. How did you get your start in comedy? Um, so I took a class when I was, I think I was 16 in, uh, Chicago at the Second City. It's a stand-up class. And, uh, I, it was like me and like, I think it was only like one or two other people, very small class. And I just go every week and, you know, write jokes with the teacher, uh, and then, you know, do it for the other two people in the class. It was kind of awkward, uh, for the, you know, your first foray into stand-up. Uh, and then, you know, we had a graduation show and that was that. And I was still in high school, so I did like stand up very periodically so there's that because for most open mics they're at bars so you have to be 21 or older or at least the bars that card um so i didn't really do a ton of open mics unless they were like at a cafe um and i did a lot of improv instead because that's a very like high school college thing it's like you know group comedy very fun you can do with your friends so i did a lot of improv in high school uh and then uh, i went to i actually went to northwestern before i transferred to berkeley so there was a new stand-up group on campus so i joined that because my friend was in it and uh i really liked that because you know uh my friend was in it and the other people were funny and i was like oh maybe i can just start doing stand-up again so like started writing uh they would have a show every couple months uh so i do that showcase and it was just, you know, like a snowball effect where I'm like, oh, more and more comedy. My friends are doing it. I like it. Uh, and then I took a class at, when I was a sophomore, I think, at uh, in college uh, with Cameron Esposito. She did a female uh, stand-up class in Chicago that I took. And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, uh, another awesome, you know, uh, queer female comic. And then I was like, oh, yeah. I can do comedy too. So I just like, you know, did more comedy after that. And then uh, I did a lot of comedy in college. I don't know why I finished doing college because at that point I was like, I'm done with school. I just want to do stand up. Uh, and then, yeah, and then I graduated and now I'm just doing comedy and like I have a day job, but like mostly comedy. And so where do you see yourself in five years? Um, ideally, I would have my own sitcom. That is what I want. But I will also take a small role in a movie if someone wants to offer me that. I will. Sure, I'll host a talk show. That's, I don't think I would be really good at that because I'm not as uh, extroverted as I think you would need to be to be a talk show. But, you know, who knows? They have, like, writers and stuff. I could, you know, I could wing that, I think. In the also, si- I'm, like, snarky. So it's like, if they're okay with, like, a snarky talk show host who, like, roasts people sometimes... Then I could do that. Just low-key, just, like, picks people in the audience. And just... No, I mean, like, sometimes I'm, like, kind of mean. So I'm, like, if you're okay with that on a, you know, maybe it's not on, like, network television. Maybe it's on, like, some some other cable channel. Some cable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Number That'd be okay, too. right? You're right, exactly. Right. But I would love to have, like, a sitcom on, like, ABC, NBC, something like that. That'd be yeah, cool. Yeah. And would, I feel like with the sitcom would, like, then Ellen DeGeneres, would she coach? It'd be, like, well, okay, so my, if I had a sitcom, it would be... I would love it to be like Ellen's sitcom in the 90s, which was great. It was, like, based off of her, sort of, you know, her character. But, like, you know, uh, they took some liberties. But it's, like, mostly based on me. Or, like, Roseanne. That was a great sitcom. And I also like the Carmichael show. 
It's a great, uh, like, family sitcom. They talk about the issues. So, you know, something where it's, like, based off of me. So I don't have to really be a great actor. Because I don't think I'm an amazing actor. But I could be funny. And if it's based off of me, people will be like, that's fine. You know, like Aziz Ansari. It's like, okay. you know, it's kind of like him. Yeah, yeah. Persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like him, but, you know, ten times heightened. You know? Yeah. Right. What's your life philosophy? Oh, that's a big question. What is my life philosophy? Uh, I think it's just to be a better person every day that, you you know, uh, you know, make every day better than the day before. Um, whether that be, you know, write a better joke than the joke that I did yesterday or, you know, try and go to the gym one more time. I haven't done this. Like, this is my philosophy. I will, will not say I've actually followed through on it, but, you know, try and be a better person than the day before. And, uh, you know, don't, don't be racist. And uh, I think, you know, give opportunities to people who haven't had them, like uh, women or people of color, especially in comedy or like other things. Uh, give them opportunities that you, you know, even if you don't think they're ready right now, but if you think they will be ready soon, I would just give them the chance because a lot of times uh, you won't get that opportunity. And I think you only get better if you get to fail. So, you know, give people a shot. Even if you're like, hey, they got potential, just give them a shot. No one's gonna, if you give someone a spot on a show and they're like, almost like, it's fine. You know, your show's gonna be fine. No one gets hurt. Yeah, exactly. Just let people get more stage time. All right. And I think that's and in life. And I think that's interesting because it seems like comedy can kind of be a cutthroat world. Just yes. And so it's interesting that you, you have more of that community, trying to yeah 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 approach. You know I I mean if everyone does it's kind of like socialism I don't know but like not really because there's no money involved but you know if you help everyone up the eventually you'll all succeed supposedly. I live in a co-op man that speaks to me. Hey, exactly. Thank you, Irene, too, for coming on our show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to Method to the Madness, a weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating Bay Area innovators. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes University. Tune in again next Friday at noon.